And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the inimitable, inimitable, I was just trying to pull that out of my ass, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Uh, you kind of left yourself open for a comment there, but I'll let it pass. <laughs> um, here again, back in the beautiful, great land of freedom, the state of Jefferson, on the Smith River. It's good to be back from Mexico. Oh man, I uh, hit the ocean yesterday and the river all in one day. Just so pleased to be up in uh, in the wilderness again. However, we had a blast down there in Mexico at Anarcopoco, got back Saturday night. Here today with Steve Falconer, who was with, with me there, along with a slew of AlphaCast guests, Andrew Kaufman, Alex Zek, uh, Mike Wilkerson, David Weiss, uh, the list goes on and on. Curtis Stone, just a, a actual firecracker of energy. He got the Ener energy uh, Energizer Bunny Award, Steve, for uh, the week. That dude is just, I was telling him after, so I had to follow him uh, and <laughs> on my live stage talk. And I was thinking, man, whoever has to follow that guy, good luck. And I was like, oh, that's me, shit. Um, but uh, that I told him, I'm like, I now realize why you're a farmer. Because if you weren't a farmer, you'd probably be like rate, you know, the, the guy's energy is so off the hook. It's the land that grounds him. Uh, but that was great hanging out with, uh, with Curtis and uh, all the other homies that were there. It was just a fantastic hang. Beth Martins was great to see her finally in person. Um, Marjorie Wildcraft, she was awesome to meet. It was just such a great hangout and just absolutely blessed to have been invited to go there and was pretty stoked on my talk. Bear fired up the terrain Friday, which was great. Uh, so that was wonderful to see, um, you know, hanging out with Adam Biggleson and Anna Maria. Uh, they're just fantastic people. Um, and who else, Steve? Any any other highlights for you uh, in terms of uh, your Well, the whole, there? you know, it was just weird. The whole gamut. Patrick Henningsen was there with his brother, Tim. You know, I had, uh, yeah, like, just a, a Topher Gardner. Unbelievable oh, with the biochar. Uh Matt Presti, of course. Uh, yeah, Presti, I did a podcast with, uh, blew my mind. You know, it just, for me, it was crazy. I, it, you know, just go out to breakfast, you come out the door, and you're having breakfast with the 15 most interesting people you could ever meet in your life. And that's just the beginning of the day. And then it just got more crazy. Uh, I, I, you know, I used to make fun of people who are like, I find my tribe, and but I have to eat crow because I actually found my tribe last week. Uh, and I'm usually a bit of a loner, but I finally ventured out and said, you know what, these these are the people I need in my life. So, yeah, it was just it just one. And, you know, what was cool for me is I was talking to a lot of people who are just the attendees there and in Max Egan's bar. Everyone I talked to had a story that could equally be an hour speech on stage. You know, yeah, it yeah. wasn't just the speakers. It was everyone there. Um, I was just blown away. Totally. Yeah. Um, Bear Lando used to go to these things in the 90s <laughs> and he would always tell me these glory stories. Well, we used to put them on. Y yeah. Go to things. That was the steering committee. And uh, that was in the mid 90s uh, through the later 90s. And the first few we put on domestically were busted by the Fed because we were having people like Ron Paul back when he was a libertarian and a lot of retired judges and folks saying too much truth. So we moved the venue offshore and we did four events a year 
and uh, you know, it's just nice exotic uh, luxury resort locations. And we average about 5,000 people per event. Wow. And uh, that's back uh, uh, people like David Ike, G. Edward Griffin, and you know, all those folks. We were all together back then when we were younger gentlemen. And uh, so little did we know all these years later, uh, you know, yeah, we'd still be doing this because we thought back then that if we got the information out that we were sharing, that it would be a done deal, game over, and they wouldn't be able to get as far as they are in present time. But to our surprise, they had a lot of pretty clever tricks up their sleeve. <laughs> well, that's you're right, and we're going to get into some of those because what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to debunk um, – a lot of mythologies that go around in the alternative truth community. There are a lot of stories that go around that we all just take for granted and don't double check. And we're going to do some fact checking on our own side tonight as well and find out awesome. that even some of these, yeah, you know, and this is the perfect place to launch it. I'm, I've been a fan of you guys forever. So I'm just honored to be on with you both. And this is going to be great. Brad, well, let me, knock out the quick intro and we'll throw it over to you guys and uh, get into this. I know you have some slides to present and yeah, your presentation at Anarchapoca was fantastic, Steve. And on Sunday night, I had, I got a little preview of it at the bar there on the opening party night. Uh, and I was just like, Oh my goodness, we got to get you on alpha cast, man. The, the syncretism uh, was just erupting on so many levels. So I'm, I'm really excited about this today. Um, one uh, point of biz real quick. We launched tickets to music and sky on Friday uh, please go to musicandsky.com and grab your tickets. There's volunteer tickets you can grab. Actually, we've low is $175 to come to Music and Sky this year. It's four nights, five days of blissful truth and sovereign um, expression. I cannot wait. We're going to build this sovereign village together. It's uh, an open source event, something like we've never done before. If you're seeking stage time and you want to be heard, you can sign up during the day to get on main stage, uh, perform, juggle, knives, whatever you're into. Um, it's uh, it's really exciting. So check that out, musicandsky.com. And of course, Confluence is coming around the bend before you know it, confluenceevent.com. I'll be out there in Texas with a lot of people that were just at our Anarchapoco. So once again, meeting in person, so important. Uh, this virtual stuff is cool. It allows us to spread information and, and keep things going, but meeting in person is key. Uh, we did launch our member map uh, this week on the private Alphavedic platform. So if you haven't joined that yet, go to alphavedic.com and there's actually a member map on there. I'm about to drop a little tutorial video on the site explaining how that works. But basically what it does is allow you to pull up a map of the of the world and find those in the platform that are close to you. And then you can connect with them and hopefully go have a cup of joe with them or tea or whatever you're into. Uh, go meditate, do some yoga together, go for a hike. I don't know. But meeting in person, so important. So very excited that just launched. So, uh, okay, today in all thy getting, get thee knowledge. <laughs> Love that. I thought uh, well, I started off with a nice uh, biblical flair there for you, Stephen, since we're going to be lionizing the Vatican today. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, was, the interruption. No, that was a great rewrite too, Bear. Uh, you got, I was going to hire you guys for my press junkets. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the reason I even did this talk at Anarchapoco is because it's an anarchy convention and 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 you have to say well archon means ruler so what are these archons like if you're an anarchist 
you're against the rulers, not rules. It doesn't mean again, it doesn't mean without rules. It means without rulers. And so I thought, well, here we are, a bunch of anarchists. How can you be an anarchist if you don't know what the archons are? And there are a lot of funny stories going around from people like David yeah, Lamb. We can't Lash and David wait to I, hear yeah. those. Hey, Steve, <laughs> um, Mike's going to do a real quick intro, and then we're oh, going to yeah. just get you. No, no, that's I, I interrupted uh, the whole thing, not you there. So, Mike, go ahead, finish that, and then we'll just launch. Yeah, while vast swaths of humanity are presently waiting for the other proverbial shoe to drop on any number of socioeconomic fronts, we're staying the course with our guests in subject matter that the spellcasters would rather remain occulted. Political drama, pending wars, and fake epidemics aside, wouldn't it be more fruitful to understand our authentic origins upon this plane? Perhaps solution lies in what's been hidden. And what if a true historical accounting revealed historical eras in which mankind actually had its act together? On this AlphaCast installment, we continue this investigative thread with author and filmmaker Steve Falconer. Steve is a prolific political commentator and the voice of Space Busters on YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, and Vigilante.tv. He is also the author of the children's book, The Dukes of Dents, available on all Amazon platforms, and a former writer and administrator for Truth Serum News, where he wrote under the pen name, Are You Sure?, Steve is a former Chicago native living in Copenhagen, Denmark, a music teacher and a full-time touring musician. He is a father and researcher into all things hidden, esoteric, and out-of-the-ordinary daily experience with a gift for debunking or demystifying occulted information. Expect our typically open-ended roundtable to delve deeply into the history of archons within the Earth realm. Do they really exist up in the heavens, or are they actually indigenous within a subplane of Earth? What do they want with us? We'll traverse the origins of the hidden ancient Irish-Phoenician origins of civilization falsely attributed to Tartaria or Atlantis that had been sanitized by the good folks at the Vatican. Uh, will the Novus Ordo Seclorum, or New World Order, I like to call the old world order, uh, yeah. achieve the ultimate prize of purloining our very souls? Or will we muster up the audacity to just say no? Bear Lando, great one. Beautiful. <laughs> and you're right. It, we'll get into this. It is, it's not a new world order. It's an old world order that used to exist that they want back. Um, so yeah. we're, we're going to get into that. And, and, and that is very well yeah. put, you know. And by the way, hey, spoiler uh, alert, they lose. They do not win this. They lose. That well, they already they already lost. And uh, Steve, uh, let me formally welcome you, and uh, and we really appreciate your presence. And I also want to tell you that I really had a lot of fun with you and Amanda when we did a little roundtable for the end of COVID there. So that was great uh, getting to know you back at that time. And Shario uh, wasn't with you guys in Mexico, but I was on a virtual screen. And you know, just a, a couple quick words about my presentation there. Uh, it seems esoteric to folks when you get into the actual mechanics of creation, especially when you start understanding that people uh, eons ago, the, you know, different groups of Rosicrucians, the alchemists, the, you know, you name it, all knew these truths. And in comparison, when you look at the premises of scientism that we, you know, in this trust the science era, um, it's it's absolute gobbledygook. It's childish nonsense. And when you can really wrap your mind around some of the things that seem occult, 
or esoteric rather that I was talking about. They're actually really grounded nuts and bolts. It's the way things work. It explains everything and it gives us all our solutions. And we're going to be talking a lot today with you, you know, about this whole historical uh, within this whole historical context of what's really going on and a lot of this new information for people. And here at Alpha Vedic, we really like to get into all of that because we believe awareness is the cure for all that ails us. Uh, on the other hand, I would just like to say we need to ground it in too. Why, that's why the other uh, part of our platform here at the farm is we grow things, we make things, uh, we teach people how to heal bodies with real authentic medicine. And also when it comes to the folks out there that know that something big is just on the horizon, actually already happened. We just haven't experienced the full splatter yet. Take care of yourselves. You know, you need to do all those things that are going to give you the skills not to just survive, but to thrive. And amongst all, take care of your physical bodies, you know, start really training like an athlete. I don't care how old you are, uh, you know, flexibility, strength, movement therapies, so that whatever happens, not only will you be able to defend yourself, but you will be able to, again, be able to have the physicality to overcome any obstacles that they, uh, you know, already are throwing in our way. So, Stephen, you have an actual presentation there, so we're going to let you just get to it, and uh, we'll interrupt as little as possible. But thank you again for being with us. Thanks, Barry. And I, I would actually like you to interrupt as often as possible so we can turn this more into a conversation. I'd like to do one of my famous Space Busters disclaimer. <laughs> I'm just going to present information. It's I'm not saying this is true or false or anything. I'm going to show you my perspective from 15 or 16 years of research. Some of this could be correct, some could be incorrect. I will tell you when I can this, you know, when I can say what's fact and what is not. Um and if you're of a let's call it a religious um upbringing <laughs> like i by the way i come from two huge roman catholic families right so uh people are gonna be like is he a jew <laughs> no i'm not a jew and i'm not a roman catholic either but um this can be very upsetting what i'm gonna show you but my hope is that pennies are gonna be dropping like a cheap vegas slot machine here i want people are like who's in charge of this place what's going on and and i think when you start to see what we're going to talk about today a lot of uh, puzzle pieces are going to fall in place. So I'll share my screen here. And um, here we go. And then I think it's this. There we go. All right. Here we go. So I'm going to just pause that. So you can see that great, right? So one of the one of the stories going around it comes from a guy called John Lamb Lash about the archons and the interdimensional beings or demons and david ike has the saturn moon matrix where the archons are ruling us with machines from saturn to the moon but really when you look up in the sky um you, you see what's called the royal arch of freemasonry which is the sun and the planets in the summer sky at the in the summer when the sun's at its height and then it goes down in the winter you can see that at the top of the screen and these coincide with, with the parts of our body, which you and Amanda and I talked about before. Now, in this royal arch or arc 
are what they call the sun and the moon and the and five of i know there are pluto and neptune there are other planets they are the archons the seven archons or lights and in the ancient teachings they build vest and influence the mind soul the body as spirit as it precipitates and comes into physical form um, we know this because we know that the police stations and the hospitals are full on a full moon. We know when there's a full moon, people go a little crazy or become lunatics, right? And we also know when you're feeling very bad and then you go to a sunny place, you start to feel better. So it's it's obvious that these lights, whatever they are, have effect on us. Now on the left here, people who are people who are into the chakras and astrology, they're going to say, wait, Steve, you have these in the wrong order. And I'm aware of that. I, I understand. But when you take these planets or stars in the order of closest to the Earth and farther out, a very strange thing happens here. You get Saturn, which is Kronos, which means crown, right? Kronos is the keeper of time. Well, that's your crown chakra, right? It's the it's He's the keeper of time. It's physicality. There is no time in spiritless white non-physical existence and down at the bottom if you get rid of mars and put the moon in which is where we get the word menis or menstrual or red or where creation comes from now you start to get what you could call the real saturn moon matrix which is us spirit stuck in a physical form here on earth to learn and overcome so that we can build our spirit back up and return. This is a lot different than what John Lamb Lash and David Icke are presenting, and I'm not saying they're wrong or this is right. I'm just saying this is very interesting. Um, and then you can see all the planets and the sun, they in the in the in the moon and in the five planets, they correspond to the alchemical metals, as you were talking about, Bear. These aren't actual metals; these are the alchemical. And they correspond with the seven days of the week, and we get the seven colors of the rainbow, and we get all these sevens, seven, sevens, and sevens. Now, what's interesting, uh, we're in the way in the top right, but here's some Masonic artwork, and you see where the red is in the middle. You see two pyramids, one pointing up, which is your upper chakras and the upper torso, and one pointing down, which is the lower chakras and lower lower torso. Now, you have the moon, if the symbol on the right, you have the moon on top, which is the mind or magnetism. You have the sun, which is the soul or the spirit, and then you have the earth or body. And that is the alchemical sign for Mercury, if you see down here. And the Freemasons have it drawn in there. You can see it in the lower part. And Mercury is the messenger of the gods, which is Quicksilver, the other name for the cerebrospinal fluid, which bear you and I talked about with Amanda, which rises up your Kundalini, right? And opens up the Christos. So it's pretty amazing <laughs> that that is the alchemical symbol for mercury or, or quicksilver. And then again, you start looking at the Jewish um, menorah here with the seven, the seven candles or the seven lights. And then we start looking at the biblical Elohim, right? And the Elohim say, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now, people say, well, Elohim is plural, so 
the gods are aliens and the aliens made us in their image and genetically manipulated us. Well, another way to look at it is the Elohim are these planets and stars that are affecting us and building us. So we are made in actually in the image of these planets and the, and the sun and the moon, which are affecting us, which is astrology, which is not mystic mag. Astrology is a very ancient science. It's, it's not BS. It's real. We know it affects us. Now, I, I had a fun talk uh, with Matt Presti here because he disagrees with this because of, of Walter Russell science. Um, but in the old Masonic teachings, low vibrating light turns into matter, high vibrating light turns into spirit. Now, Matt's saying it's the other way around. He's saying the white light of God is actually the lower vibration, right? He's saying earthquakes and the sun and all the higher vibrations um, would be the opposite. But I'm saying that Without the sun, we'd all be dead. <laughs> it's making everything grow. Um, so, so that's quite interesting. But a guy called Paracelsus, he said, know that the philosopher has power over the stars and not the stars over him. Now, I don't say philosopher like to be or not to be. I put in the word astrologer. Know that the astrologer has power over the stars, meaning anarchy is astrology. It's learning how these archons or lights in the heavens affect us and then deciding by free will to act differently, right? I'm a Virgo. I get triggered really easily. I have to be right all the time. <laughs> and I know that now. So I don't have to have an argument with somebody. I know that I have to get the last word. And so now I get the choice. Do I waste all my energy arguing to death? Or do I shut up, right? So I think this is very important. Now, it, we get all these weird things in religion, these seven archons or lights. We get this religious idea of the seven deadly sins. Pride, greed, wrath, lust, envy, gluttony. I, I love gluttony. You know, I like my drink and smoke. I'm a rock and roll musician. <laughs> but then on the other side, you get what you call the seven heavenly virtues, which I think is alchemy. I think it's a matter of a person transmuting these lower chakra desires and wants and needs, right? The physical pleasures of this realm um, to say, well, I don't need to do that. I can try to transmute this into a higher way of being where I'm quite happy with more of a spiritual existence here. Um, and I won't have to go through them all. And feel free to jump in anytime you want. Well, I was going to say, Matt, have anything to add Matt, to that? Yeah. Well, Matt Presti's in the chat right now. And just to excellent. Clarify, Hi, Matt. Uh, he said, there are no vibrations to the spirit whatsoever via Walter Russell. So you get closer to spirit by lowering, not raising your vibrations, the idea that it's just still white light. So there is that, that for Walter Russell, God, mind, it's just stillness. It's just the all present, you know, omniscient, um, omnipresent white light. Just, uh, just a quick comment, um, having been a longtime Walter Russell student myself, um, I agree that pure consciousness or what we think of as God is stillness. And uh, the way Walter um, explains and really demonstrates, not just theoretically, that uh, you know, idea or, or any such thing from a consciousness uh, that's capable of idea, 
creates the vibration. And then within that vibrational realm with Walter Russell's mechanics, um, now I'm kind of a bit of a heretic with Walter Russell work also because I believe some of the things that people do not believe uh, that Walter Russell had it right from my thinking, I can take his teachings and explain what they think is right too. So I think there definitely has to be more of a reintegration to, so that we can get around the semantics and understand what we're really talking about. And also last thing said is anybody that uh, left some breadcrumbs for us, whether it's Russell or Steiner or so forth, it's really incumbent upon the next generation to take it further. And no true trailblazer is going to say, hey, it stops here and everybody, you know, after me is not going to be able to take this, you know, to the next level of understanding. So now I have no problem, uh, you know, kind of uh, coinciding uh, different theoretical constructs of the nature of our earth realm that Walter Russell may not agree with. Uh, the fact that even uh, individuals uh, themselves go through an alchemical process through embodiments and within individual embodiments in order to achieve the so-called ascended state. Uh, you know, Walter Russell would say there's no such thing as ascended masters. Well, again, I think if we could have a discussion, get around the semantics of uh, just some simple statements that were put out a while ago, we could honor what Walter Russell, uh, you know, uh, was teaching without bastardizing those teachings. And then also explain some of the other things that people are just now starting to connect the dots with, including the fact that the, the spinning ball theories and all that kind of stuff is just, you know, really a bunch of nonsense and could be very eloquent, eloquently, um, you know, explained within the, the realm of waveform mechanics. Yeah, I think it's what you just said is so vital, Bear. Um, Walter Russell, way, way smarter than even one-tenth of my intelligence, you know. But again, what I'm presenting here, I'm not saying this is the truth, and I'm not saying that Walter Russell had everything right either. I think you're right. We need to start syncretizing everything together and say, is it possible? Some of this is right, some is wrong. Can we marry these together? People like Santos Bonacci has married Russellian science. I don't think that's a real term, but Walter Russell's work with the flat earth model. Um, so again, this is just to get our brains kind of moving and, and, and let people, like you say, the next generation, learn all sides of this and see if there's something else we're, we haven't come up with yet. Right. So yeah, and we're, we're not like you said earlier, we're not saying right or wrong. And, uh, you know, then we also, I think, would do better refraining from simplification terminologies like flat earther and so forth, because yeah. just because we've been lied to about a spinning ball, I mean, obviously, anybody with any intelligence can see the flaws a mile away. But then at the other time, we don't just automatically revert to a simplistic flat earth theory either because it's we live in a functional realm and walter russell really explained best of anybody that i know of how that thing functions in the first place yeah absolutely and i, I actually after talking to matt later coming up soon uh, i'm gonna put some walter russell in here so <laughs> i've i've done a little syncretizing myself after and matt's amazing i love him so we've all seen this before. We've seen the ancient uh, Celtic cross, they call it. 
and you've got the circle with a T-shaped cross. Now, anyone who's a sun gazer, if, if you ever go out, I, I can look at the sun in the midday myself. I've been sun gazing enough. But if you're not a sun gazer, I recommend you do this in the morning or night until your eyes can take it. When you start blinking your eyes 10 or 20 times, you will see this electromagnetic cross when you just blink, 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 blink while you're looking. This T-shaped cross, you'll see the long line come down to the ground and this T. And it's all over Ireland, um, Scotland. It's in Scandinavia. They found them in the Americas, right? This is this is the symbol of the sun. Now, here's here's some books. If people want to look into what I'm talking about, there's Irish Wisdom Preserved in Bible and Pyramids by Connor McDarry, uh, Rise of the Aryans by Patrick Chenard, and it, Donnelly's Atlantis. Donnelly he half had this but he didn't make this connection we're about to get, to get into um so now if you're a christian uh, this is really going to be triggering so just hold your horses and hear me out okay the the irish gnostic priests were called the priests of yesa Kriost. now if that sounds familiar it should because you know you know it as jesus christ which is the son and the descent of spirit into the body of man. So the, the word Yesa was not a guy called Jesus. People who say, what was a, a guy called Jesus doing run around the Middle East? He wasn't. Yesa is an Irish word for the, it was a religion, a name for the religion. Now, the problem is, of all the Irish left in the world, only 2% of them can speak the old Irish, the old language. I'm not talking Gaelic and Celtic. And I know a girl by fluke uh, who, when I was looking for this, who is one of the 2% who speak this. So some Irish words on the left here for Yesa Krios or the sun and man's highest spirit are Yesa, Yes, Hesiod, Hesig, Krios, Bell, Buell. And that's, and there is no J by the way in, in, in the Irish language. And these are where we get the modern words that the Roman Catholic Church, the Church of England, and the Church of Ireland have hidden from us. We get Zeus, Jesus, Christ, Dias, Dias. I think that's maybe Japanese or Chinese. Baal. We all hear about the Baal worship, right? They all worship the demon Baal. No, it's Bell is the sun. It's not a demon. Ebalus, even St. Paul, that comes from these same words. So this has all been hidden from us. Now, people are like, the Jews run the... I don't know if we can say this on YouTube. Can we... What can we... <laughs> can we talk about the Jews on YouTube, or do we need to... Tiny hats? What's that? The tiny hats? Yeah, okay. All right, I'll do that. So people say the Only tiny hats... Only if it's hats. extremely positive and you don't say anything about some group of people owning and controlling everything. But go right. ahead. Okay, <laughs> all right. So who, who are these tiny hats, right? Originally, the Hebrews and the Jews were the Irish priests of the fire, the sun, Iesa. And the Irish word Heber or Eber, which means Ia, the fire, the sun, is where we get the name Hebrew from. Now, Ia was another name for Anki. Remember in the Sumerian texts, Anki's name was also Ia. And the word fion or fin also means the sun. That's where the word Phoenicians comes from. But see, they weren't the Phoenicians. They were the Irish Phoenicians. 
They were the Eber priests of the fire, the Phoenicians who went around the world spreading their knowledge. And the people who followed their knowledge were called Yud or Yud, which means the day, the light, followers of the light, where we get the word Jew. There is no J in Irish. And that's where in Scandinavia, uh, the word for Christmas or the holidays is Yule, J-U-L. It's where we get the word Yule. And Yule or Yule is an Irish word for the highest power, the dignity of the sun in the middle of the summer in the Royal Arch, learning, knowledge, which is where we get the word July. And Julius Caesar, a fictional character, I would propose, who didn't never existed. Right now, keep this Ia in mind because we're going to get into Zechariah Sitchins in a bit here and do a little debunking there. So everyone thinks that the, the, the pyramids uh, are built by the Egyptians, right? Well, Cheops, the great pyramid of Giza or Yesa or Jesus or Esau, <laughs> represents the spirit in the purified or regenerated man. Now, when when you take the word Cheops, what does it say backwards? When you read Cheops backwards, it says... Spoic. It's the Irish word for spirit. That the name of the pyramid is just the name of spirit backwards. And when you take the name Yesa, you get Giza, Giza, Hesig, Hesij, Yesa. You get Jesa, Jesus, Gaza. These are all old Irish names. Um, let me go to the next slide here. It's going to do it. Here we go. I don't think I even want to get into this. Yeah, I don't want to get into Lucifer, but fur, well, I'll show you what that is. But um, this is the white still invisible light magnetic in the center here, which Walter Russell calls the still magnetic light of God. And then you have the black still dielectric light, the toroidal field, and they create light, which or fur, which is where Lucifer actually comes from. So... Egypt and the pharaohs are Irish lore preserved in the Old Testament. And the word pharaoh comes from the Irish word it's fear, it's spelled, but it's pronounced far, which means man. In Scandinavia and Danish, uh, far is, is a name for your father. And then the second word, it comes from the Irish word road, which means to ride, the sensual man, or raon, which means the two sexes or the sexless nature of spirit. So then when you start looking at the names of all the pharaohs, we're told that there's this line of Egyptian pharaohs, right? Once you start flipping their names backwards, King Menes, the first pharaoh, he digs the river Nile. Well, Menes is actually the Irish word mene or me, which means May, month, monthly, where we get the menstruation, the, the monthly menstruation. And he digs the river Nile, which is an Irish word, newel which means the blood in the body, the menstruation in the blood. Then the next king, uh, Potiphar, which comes from the Irish word poti, the bowels and the belly, and fur, man, truth, wisdom, a priest of the sun. Then over here, we get Enoch, right? The book of Enoch. Well, that comes from an Irish word, enai, an enoch, which means a wise, sage, or enlightened person. It's not a guy. <laughs> it's it's a kind of person and there are tales that enoch is actually hermes who's actually thoth 
who's actually Anki from the Sumerian people. Well, Thoth had the what? He had the Irish ta- or the, Emer- the, the Emerald Tablets, which come from the Emerald Isle of Ireland, right? So, and Hermet- Hermes is the Hermetic wisdom. Same with Moses, that is an Irish word, mouse, for saturate, soak, swimming, the blood. Um, then there's also people, historians can't figure out who the Hyksos were. So historians say these, these weird Hyksos who were foreigners, they were shepherd kings who invaded Egypt, right? And they, they say, we don't know who these people were. They can't figure it out. And the reason they can't figure it out is because Hyksos is a word from the Irish um, spelled Tixaus, but pronounced Hyksos, which means the upper house, a Magian priest or a spiritual shepherd. So these Hyksos were the Irish priests of Yesa Krios, the Phoenicians. All right. Um, here, the Great Pyramid of Yesa, this is uh, from Connor McDarry's book, Irish Wisdom in the Bible and Pyramids. The Great Pyramid of Yesa, or Giza, is one of a group of four. Yesa the largest, Shifran the second, Mycerenes the third, and, and uh, Asuchus the least and lowest. And it, it represents the fourfold. There's the threefold uh, trinity, fourfold, and sevenfold principles of man. Um, which Walter Russell science gets into the sevenfold. This group of pyramids represents the fourfold system as symbolized by those monuments. So these Magian, these Irish Magian, built this in the fourfold idea, which is embodied in the cryptic language in the Bible and gives proof of authorship by the Irish adepts. So it's also, you've got the, um, it's also yeah. the cross. The fourfold is symbolized in the cross. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is also the square unfolded as well. You know, we can get into that later. Um, But in the body, so you'd have your four regions. So you'd have the head, the heart, the navel and bowels or the genitals would be the physical fourfold nature. Then like as Baron, you get into, you'd have the four elements, right? And you, you can carry the fours out just endlessly. Now, here's where the Walter Russell gets interesting. So when we learn about the, what's really weird is when you look at Egypt, geographically, we're told that lower Egypt was really north of upper Egypt. If you start looking at the ancient maps, you say, why was upper Egypt south of lower Egypt? Well, again, the the churches have flipped this around so we don't go looking there. They don't want you looking at Ireland. They want you looking at the Middle East and Egypt and Greece. So these are metaphors. Now, the story goes that the king of Upper Egypt led his forces into Lower Egypt and overthrew the king. Well, here's Upper Egypt. That's your upper chakras and man's higher spiritual being. And Lower Egypt is the lower physical attraction to the physical, you know, the the man's animal thing. It's literally a phallic representation there. Totally, yeah. So the king, this is a metaphor. This is not history. It's a metaphor for a man going into his higher chakra and higher spiritual being leads his forces down into lower Egypt, his animal desires, and overthrows the king. Now, when you look at their crowns, this is where we get the red and white of the Swiss Templar. We'll get into that in the in the night. We'll get into this later. 
Well, the old Egyptian hat is red and yellow. That's your red through yellow chakras. That's the lower three chakras. The higher, the upper Egypt had the white crown, which when you take, when you white is split into the seven colors of the rainbow, right? When you look through the prism and vice versa, the white still magnetic mind of God, which Matt Presti uh, synchronized for me the other day, is a symbol of perfected spirit. So the, the upper Egypt king or the person who's perfected spirituality has the white crown. The person who has not has the red and yellow chakra, and the ruler of them all has all of them. He's perfected the red chakra all the way up to the top into the white. Now, it's kind of funny because in allegory here, they show, well, the double crown showed victory and symbolized unification, the joining of separate parts into one, which is exactly what these Irish mystics were teaching is that you have to join all of your being into one. You cannot just be down here ruled by your lower your lower mind. Well, you, you know what, Steve, I'm thinking of, and I mentioned in chat here, which is like the great Irish lore of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So you right. have the rainbow, which symbolizes the chakras, right? Coming yeah. into the alchemical pot of gold, which is yeah. the sun or which really is the logos which is the word, which is the original language. See how this all starts to syncretize? Once you get this knowledge, you could just do this all day. And, and the pot, the pot of gold is potiferer. That's the, that's the imaginary pharaoh who never existed. Um, this is called Newton's wheel. Have you guys, you know this, right? Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Do you know what this is? Spin it. So what? What happens is when you take the seven colors that the, the, and you spin them, they turn into white. Watch. There's the seven colors. And when you spin them, they turn into white light. <laughs> Just as a prism turns white light back into the seven colors. See that? So that's the white hat. And, and I have to give hats off to Matt. He's the one who actually really syncretized this for me the other day. So Jerusalem... It's not a historical place. It's the perfect, it's the perfect spiritual body, which the ego or self is trying to build up. Matt and I talked about this on our podcast the other day. A lot of people are trying to get, they're, they're following this Eastern BS mysticism about getting rid of the self and ego. But the self is the mind of God. You need the ego. Like this is how you start to figure all this stuff out. And in the biblical yes. allegory, Go ahead. Go, Barry. You know, well, I was just going to say, you know, without the physical self, it's like an electrical system without a south pole, without a capacitor, without a grounding rod. So, you know, what's the point of our um, appearance of physicality in the first place? And, you know, just to bring this a little bit less into the or, or more out of the mystical, when people do not waste their energy by leaking it out of the lower centers and cultivate that to the point where there's uh, an abundance, uh, just like in the martial arts, you learn how to do this, how to actually build up your energy reserves. And then with your focus, with your intent and attention, then you can direct that um, excess energy to any center that you want to perform any function. And in the case of, 
when you go up to the optic thalamus uh, where that original sparking comes because it's the literal connection of the constellations above, then you have uh, an intensification of that electrical activity, which then becomes visible, you know, historically in all the saints and the sages, which is why we depict them with halos and so forth. But this is not a mystical experience. It's an electrical experience. And, uh, you know, we just have to know how to cultivate that energy, not waste it, and then direct it with our own will force to do whatever we want with it. So, um, again, this has all been mystified and so forth. And when you're getting into the the seven, the four, and the three and everything, then I think it's really worth uh, for our audience sometime maybe to delve into an understanding of the seven rays because those are the seven different intelligences uh, that we're talking about. There's uh, four, you know, attributes, uh, you know, in the lower centers, there's three of the higher attributes that, you know, distinguish the kingdom of man from the lower kingdoms and so forth. And they're, they're tonal fields. And that's again, when you get back into the work of Walter Russell, he describes tonal fields through octaves and so forth and that whole elevation process. So anyway, um, yeah, just to well, I, reiterate, well, this there's is also not mystical a, stuff. It's an electrical system, and we need to be very grounded in our understanding and use of it. I was just going to say it's also physiologically, uh, it's all physiological here. Of course, the body matters. We're talking the white is the cerebrospinal fluid that literally, yeah. right, that comes down to our sacrum and back up in a wave-like form down our spine. So it's literally anatomy too. We're talking about this is a physiological process that Barry yeah. is related to as well. So the body matters very much. So well, yeah. And then you've got the seven systems of the body, right? The endocrine. You've got the sevens. You've got mm -hmm. the seven musical notes. The seven colors of the rainbow. This just goes on and on. You've got the. They say there's some magnetic substance below our pineal gland. That's the moon, the mind, magnetism. You know, this this just starts syncretizing yeah. so far. So Joseph is not a real guy. He's an allegory. He's an Irish allegory for the ego, the self. And in the story, as I just told you, Potiphar is not a real pharaoh. He's It's an allegory. So Joseph can't have married the daughter of Potiphar because there's no such guy. He marries wisdom. The ego and the self marries wisdom. And then it, and, and this is this is where these allegories come from. A lot of this syncretizes so well with Walter Russell's work, you know. But so I don't know if a lot of people have seen this. We have the blonde and redheaded mummies of the ancient Egyptian nobility. All of the all of the ancient cultures have these strange stories of these red bearded, blue eyed people who turned up everywhere and started teaching them sun worship culture. Um, spirituality. They all even we have the stories when the Spanish arrived in in Mexico. They thought that the old gods had come back again, right? There, there's I don't know if this story is even true, but we're told they accepted them with open arms because they thought these old people came back. Well, these are the Irish Phoenicians, not the Phoenicians, and they were the nobility, and they have blonde and red haired mummies in ancient Egypt. There's blue-eyed statues of the pharaohs and nobility uh, all over. And DNA, I don't know where you guys stand on this. I don't know that DNA's. I know it's Watson and Crick. It's theoretical as far as I know. But they told us King Tut's DNA is Western European. Now, 
you know, PCR, how they would find that out is BS. But are they telling us something cryptically? You know, I don't know, but I think I found that very interesting. Then we have the blue-eyed natives of Afghanistan, the blue-eyed natives of Iran, Aryan. In fact, the old capital of Ireland is not Dublin. People don't know it. The old capital is Tara Hill, Tartaria. Tara backwards is Ararat, Ararat, blue-eyed natives of Pakistan. What's interesting is we know that in India, they have no history of ever sailing the seas or conquering another place. As far as we know, Indians, India has been there the whole time. Yet there are the same exact towers. They've got 75 of them still left in Ireland that they've found 170 of them all over India. Now, how did the exact same towers get in India and Ireland if India never went to Ireland? Well, could it be that the Irish were in India? Is that where these religions and these histories come from? Then we have the blue-eyed people of Egypt, Sumer, which is an Irish word for summer. So Sumeria, when the Irish priests of Yesa Krios, or An is another name for that, got to, got to what we call Sumeria, it was hot there all year round, so they named it summer because it reminded them of the summer. If when they found the the Sioux Indians in North America, they had some of them had blue blue eyes and blonde hair, and archaeologists or the historians couldn't understand the Sioux Indians were building cobs cobblestone houses the way the Irish and Scottish and English did. They weren't living in teepees; they were living in cob cob houses. Where did they get that? Well, I would suggest they got it from the Irish. Here's more from Sumeria: blue-eyed statues. South America, blue-eyed statues again. Here's Egypt. Now, in North America, we have the red ochre people. Um, they found graves where they were buried with red ochre jars in them, and they also find them in Egypt. Well, red ochre is an ancient version of sunscreen. <laughs> when you did, If you were a white guy from Ireland and rocked up into a hot place like Egypt, you'd be using red ochre as sunscreen. And the Egyptians ha always have this. You see some brown people, black people, but then you see some white guys and some red guys. And we, we can't figure out what it's all about. And I would suggest that's what it's all about. Genghis Khan allegedly had red hair and blue eyes. Now, Khan, K-A-N, is another Irish word for the sun, a, a personification of the sun. Was Genghis Khan... Was he an Irish priest of An? <laughs> is that where they got it? What about they might be giants? Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> Was Constantinople <laughs> actually Constantinople and not named after Emperor Constantine after all, right? Is that yeah. what's going on? Yeah, they there say they say the Khans and they all came from the Scythians, which is interesting, right? Which which were red-haired, blue-eyed people from the steppes of Asia. And there's a lot of like questions around who these Scythians were, how they preceded the Greeks and the Persians, uh, how a lot of the great philosophers came out of the Scythian lore from looking at their language and also just sort of their look. Um, so that is interesting. We, I brought up the Scythians to you in, in Mexico, um, Steve. So the Scythians are maybe just another uh, variation of these ancient Irish, huh? 
Yeah, I've never looked into them, but I, I, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's them for sure. Now, and also in I, I South America, you have, you know, the the Aztecs with Quetzalcoatl and uh, the Mayans, Kukulkan, uh, uh, and these—they're all white skin, blue eyes, and of course, traditional yeah, cool. history will say, well, that's because they're influenced by Cortez and the and the, <laughs> the Europeans yeah, that came over, but. Yeah, Kukul Khan, Khan, yeah. K A. He's the son. It's them. It's the Irish. You know, you're right. So, and funny you said that because oh, that's my go. next slide. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, because I did this uh, presentation, we were in in, uh, in Mexico. So, I've got a list of hundreds of these, uh, but I just picked the ones from from Mexico. Um, the Irish, the one of the here's the Irish sun god names, Kukulan. And in 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 the Mayan in Mexico, it's Kukulkan. It's Kukulan, Kukulkan, Khan, the sun. In Irish, Telak. In Mexico, it's Telak. It's the same. Chakmiol in Irish, Chakmul, Mexico. So as you just said, they're all there. So where did they get this? So all roads lead to Rome, as we say, which is going to get us into the archons down here. You know, there's a big debate over who's running this world down here. Is it the tiny hat people? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, please tell us who are these guys anyway. Oh, we're going to get into that. And we're, and we're going to fact check ourselves too, because there's a, just, just as this myth about the archons is going around with the, you know, the, the sub-dimensional, interdimensional beings, there are some crazy myths going around here too about who's running it. Now, unfortunately, all roads lead to Rome, but we're told Rome was founded by two twin brothers, Romulus and Remus, right? Unfortunately, when you take the word Romulus and spell it backwards, it's Sulumor, the Irish word for the great light, the sun. And when you take Remus backwards, it's Sumer, the Irish word for summer. And when you take Sumeria, it comes from the Irish word Som, Somra, Sumers, the sun. And when you take Syracuse, Sicily, it comes from the Irish word Syracuse, the Easterner, the sun. So the Syracuse Indians in the east of the United States are the Easterners. They're the Eastern Indians, which the Irish named them the Syracuse because they're the Indians in the east. Or I should say Native Americans, not Indians, right? So now when you start looking at Zechariah Sitchens, he says that these two brothers, Enlil and Anki, come from an outer space in Nibiru, right? And their father is Anu. And Enlil hates the, hates the humans, and Anki loves them, and he wants to save them, and he makes them better. Well, Anki had another name, Ea, which I just showed several slides back, is an Irish name for the sun. And Anki is the word Inaich, for wisdom, the sun, <laughs> And the father, Anu, is An, another Irish name for the son. So the two brothers are higher wisdom, fighting with lower animal desire. And the one who's in the higher wisdom is beneficial to mankind. Funny enough, they say there was there were several historians who we have Akkadian dictionaries. They challenged Zechariah Sitchens to a debate and said, your translations are so off the mark and he would never debate them. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I saw stories that Sitchin's office was in a CIA-owned building, and he was on the same floor as a CIA office, and he would never debate. Now, I'm saying 
how did this guy get all these tablets and he's the only authority on translating them and everyone else who's an authority says his translations are BS. And how many people bought this whole Sitchin's 12 Planet series, right? I mean, isn't that one of the the sparks? You you did. Yeah, what did you think? Oh, Is it possible? Well, no, I mean, long ago, I thought that was uh, amazing, groundbreaking information. And, you know, uh, over the decades of studying it more, getting access, to new information it's like ah guy was pretty far off <laughs> yeah especially when the you start to learn what realm or is there a and, planet and most there? likely uh far off by design well that yeah. is my point i'm not accusing him but i'm saying we need to be highly suspect because when you know this irish language uh it seems that this is probably a more plausible explanation for the Sumerian story is that it's just another Irish mythology and people are taking it out of context. So let's get into the tiny hat, people. He who controls the past controls the future, as George Orwell said. In other words, whoever's hiding this information I just talked about is doing it on purpose because they will control our future. So we need to find out why haven't we heard any of this? Right? How how is it we've never heard any of this? We've never even heard about the 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 Scottish Highland genocides. Were you guys taught about that in school? That that the Scottish <laughs> Highlanders were genocided and it was penalty of death to speak Gaelic or Celtic. Did you ever hear about I, that? I, I actually did remember not to the detail of that, but I remember learning in my Catholic school education about about aspects of that. Believe it or not, right. But it was just because I had a badass teacher who yeah. was interested in that. And it was mind-blowing to me. And he even talked about the Cathars uh, and and that whole genocide. But very rare to hear that, of course. Right, yeah. And then we, we hear about the... Uh how the Irish were sent off as indentured uh, servants. They weren't, they were in the slave trade, right? But they weren't, they weren't officially slaves. They were indentured servants. And then the, the great Irish potato famine, there were yeah. plenty of potatoes. They just took them all away from them. They just didn't give them to them. So, so here we have, a, as I said, in my speech at Acapulco, we have the Novus Ordo Seclorum. Well, there we have the, the pyramid the embodiment of the upper Egypt, the man's spirit. And, and there you got your, your uh, pineal gland and op optic thalamus, right? Yeah. The all seeing eye of Horus. Now Horus is the sun at six o'clock in the morning. That's Horus, the sun rising on the horizon. And then you have Amun-Ra, which is radiance. That's the sun at 12 noon at its highest peak. Then you have the God Set, which is the sun setting at 6 p.m. And then you've got Isis down at night, the moon, when she comes up after the sun is gone. So the eye of Horus is just the sun. Now they call, they here they declare their new world order, Novus Ordo Seclorum. And as I said, jokingly in Anarchapoco, is that, is that Hebrew or Yiddish? And only one guy said, hey, that's Latin. And I said, what? So the tiny hat people declared their new world order in the wrong language and the wrong religion? <laughs> or is something else going on here is it the tiny hat people why did they why did they do that now uh, i'm gonna play this I, I only could play two minutes this is really like a four minute clip is it okay if we play this uh, i'd like people to see the whole thing here um we all know jordan maxwell i think he's dead now is he 
Yeah, he passed. Yeah, he he passed a good number of years ago. Okay, well, because this guy researched this for 50 or 60 years. So I just want to, I, I made a kind of a, a burn down of the best of this, but it's important we listen to this. The bottom line on the world today and the stuff that's going on on the earth today, uh, what we call Illuminati was a, originally uh, a term which is given to us uh, in Spain to um, a religious order in Spain that later on more amalgamated into what we call Jesuits. So the Jesuits are truly Illuminati themselves. I believe that one of the most evil organizations that exist on the earth today, and you have to have spent all the years with me in libraries and research societies and traveling around the world and talking to other writers, authors, lecturers, and teachers, and collecting this stuff over a period of 45 to 48 years to understand what I'm telling you. But I believe today the most serious evil organization on the face of the earth is the Vatican. I think if, if the Vatican was done away with on the face of the earth, there would be a shout of liberation around the world. But when you talk about Illuminati, when you talk about the really dark criminal stuff that's going on on the earth, you're talking the Vatican. You're talking the Knights of Malta, which gave us the six men who founded the CIA in America were all Catholics, members of the Knights of Malta. When you begin to look at the banking fraternities in America, like the Bank of America, Union Bank in California, all of these people who founded these banks and today are running the banking establishment are all Knights of Malta, Catholic masonry. So when I hear people talking about the Jews this, the Jews that, and the Jews are responsible, I said, no, no, you better go back and do your homework. The Jews have been slaughtered all over, all over Europe by the Vatican. You need to remember that for at least 2,300 years, Rome has dominated Europe under the Caesars of Rome. And in the fourth century, late fourth century, the Vatican comes into, into being and the Vatican dominates all of Europe, all the heads of state, all the princes and kings and rulers, all the kings and rulers in Europe ruled by the divine right. Now, who represents divine to give the king the right? The Pope. The Pope appoints certain families to be over the French. The Pope appoints certain people to be over the Germans and over the British. And so by divine right, why? Because the Pope represents God. And the Pope says that this family is holy and that they should rule. So if you want to talk about conspiracies and you want to talk about evil, don't talk about Jews. You better talk about the people who would control Europe for over 2,300 years, Caesar of Rome, the Roman Catholic establishment. There's the real story. Now you're getting into mafiosi. Now you're getting into the fraternal orders of Freemasonry out of Europe, Knights of Malta. Now you're getting into the organized crime, Sicily, Corsica, Corsica, and all of the profound drug running, white slavery, murder for hire, Vatican. There's nothing holy in Israel, nothing. There's nothing holy in the Vatican. There is nothing holy in Salt Lake City. 
There's nothing holy in religion, period. They have set up certain institutions of learning, of education, religion, and government. That's why I've said you better go back and do your homework on where the history of the world comes from. I don't see the world being run by Jews. I see Jews being used, but you will find that even Rothschild, the, the, uh, the, the Rothschild family who we hear so much about, those Jews who were running Europe. No, if you go back and look at the history of the Rothschilds, you will find that Rothschild represented the Vatican. He was dealing for the Vatican. He was a Vatican banker appointed by the Vatican to deal for them so that the Catholic Church would never be involved in all that terrible stuff going on in banking, but let the Jew do it. Then, of course, if, if something comes out, well, it's Jewish, obviously. No, no, it's your money that he was handling. So if you really want to nail down the real enemy to America and then to the earth, I, I don't know that much about it. I've just, I've just been looking at it for 48 years, <laughs> is the Vatican. And that doesn't even bring up the subject of propaganda doing. P2, the propaganda doing P2 launch, that was even mentioned in Godfather 3 twice. It's connected directly, P2 is connected directly through membership with Opus Dei and the Knights of Malta and the Jesuits. Jesuits, Opus Dei, Knights of Malta, Masonic Order, and P2 is, is pure, unadulterated, pouring directly out of the trough, Nazism. Underworld organizations, drugs, humans, uh, human trafficking, pornography, violence, underworld organizations, all P2. They are the ones who are promoting the, uh, the uh, right-wing death squads in Central and South America, Mexico, the drug cartels in Colombia, and it's all being orchestrated out of the Holy Father in Rome. Right. You guys got anything to say about that? Because we're going to fact check. Yeah. Jordan. So, Steve, have you, um, I'm sure you have, you're familiar with the book Rulers of Evil by Tupper uh, Saucy? Tupper Saucy, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, can I just uh, read uh, the, this is like the jacket cover of the book? Go for it, uh, yeah. This is about Tupper for people that don't know him. Let's just take a second. Rather than pass through the Atlanta federal prison camp gate to serve a sentence for a tax misdemeanor back in 1987. Now, this is where I first became involved with circles with this gentleman here. And uh, he was, along with some of us, uh, we we're poking the bear relative to the tax system. And by the way, folks, stop paying your taxes, you know, <laughs> come on. Uh, okay, so um, let's see, uh, author Tupper, Saucy chose to become a fugitive in order to freely investigate his adversary, the United States of America. What he discovered was valuable new proof of a vast Roman Catholic substratum of American history. More specifically, that Jesuits played eminent and un underappreciated roles in persuading New Englanders to rebel against their mother country in 1776. Indeed, according to Saucy's groundbreaking breaking discoveries, the American Revolution and its resulting constitutional republic may have been a single-handedly designed and supervised by a Jesuit named Lorenzo Ricci, this country's true founding father. 
so anyway, uh, that doesn't suggest that uh, they're the good guys uh, behind finding a country. It just means they found this country for reasons other than what we think it was founded for. So please uh, continue, Steve. Uh, I mean, th I'm glad you read that because we're going to get into Ricci or Ricky or however you want to pronounce it. I, oh, I'll amazing. Yeah. Awesome. You also have um, you have all the law. We talked a lot about the law stuff um, in Mexico. I think it was like 75 percent of what we were talking about and going into the trusts and all that. And of course, you've got and this is all historic fact, right? With like Pope Boniface, uh, with the papal bull, Unum Sanctum. Uh, in the 14th, early, I think it was 13, early 1300s, where essentially makes claim to all souls ownership of all souls, yeah. present, past and future, you know, so and I know there's a lot of different stuff in the law with the Vatican, essentially claiming ownership of souls. And then there's the whole concept of the birth certificate and taking uh, uh, blood from everyone born, and that's being sent to the Vatican still, in ownership of those souls. So there's a lot uh, to unpack here with this and the Vatican for sure. Well, yeah, that's a great point, Mike. And I don't want to dwell on this right now, but your your people know about the the maritime law and the all caps name, right? So, like, uh, I don't know her name. Who who wrote Harry Potter? What's her name? Uh, oh God, um, I've whatever her name intentionally is. Intentionally <laughs> blanked her name yeah. out of my head because <laughs> yeah, so I always do. Anyway. She owns the she owns the copyright to Harry Potter, right? So you and Bear and I, we can't go dress up like Ron, Hermione, and Harry Potter and go JK make money. Rowling. That's her, yeah. Oh yeah. Right, right, if you and Bear and I dressed up like Ron, Hermione, and Harry and were out charging money, uh, acting like them, we would owe her money because we're using her copy her copywritten universe. And funny enough, the Jesuits are the first people to make this spinning ball space model, right? None of the ancient cosmologies. So they got this fake place. Then all of a sudden we go on this calendar that we're on right now, which is a Roman Catholic calendar. The Jews have another calendar. They're not on our calendar. And anyone who knows contract law, you have to date it. You sign it and date it. Well, you're, you're dating it on this, this Roman Catholic calendar, right? So it's like copyright law. They they own your name in all caps. They own the fake date and they own the fake spinning ball you're on. So everyone's going around doing commerce illegally because they own the copyright to all of this, <laughs> which is what's going on. Now, what I have pulled up here is King John's concession. This is the big Magna Carta. Everyone says, oh, we, we're free because King John's 1216 Magna Carta. What they don't realize is in 1213, King John conceded to the Pope Innocent III, and he said, I do offer and freely concede to God and his holy apostle Peter and Paul's successors, oh, and to our mother, the Holy Roman Church, and to our Lord Pope Innocent and to his Catholic successors, I give him the whole kingdom of England and the whole kingdom of Ireland with all their rights and appurtenances for the remission of our own sins and those our whole race as well, for the living as for the dead, and now receiving and holding them as if it were a vassal. Now, a vassal is a is a fancy term for a bitch. So if you're a vassal of the Roman Empire, you're their bitch. From God and the Roman Church. And he says, we shall do leech homage to him, binding our successors, meaning everyone after, and our hearers by our wife forever, in similar manner to perform fealty, and show homage to him who shall be chief pontiff at the time and to the Roman church without demur. 
and anyone down at the bottom, anyone who doesn't go along with this. So this is what Jordan Maxwell was saying when he said that the Pope is appointing all these royal families and dukes and lords. And uh, it, it, this is what he's saying. They, they're all vassals of the Roman Catholic Church. They're appointed. So he signed everyone over in Ireland and England forever. And then he gives you the Magna so Carta. Yeah. S Stephen, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you enlighten us a little bit about what's going on with the papacy right now? You know, there's all sorts of uh, theories floating that uh, Pope Frankie never took up the papal residence and all that kind of thing and Benedict. Uh, so what's what's happening there? Do you know? Yeah, well, uh, that, that's great. Yeah. Francis is the very first Jesuit pope ever. They, the Jesuits have been wanting to get a Jesuit pope. So that's a great question. If you can hold that, we'll get to that. Because okay. in order to understand that, we need to understand what are the Jesuits and, and what is their allegiance to the church and to what extent. Now, what I heard a lot is people say, well, listen, um, the, the yeah, it's the Jesuits and they're using Kabbalah, but the Jesuits are aligned with the small hat people. They're saying the Jesuits are a small hat and Roman Catholic uh, alliance, right? So I did some fact checking. Um, the Jesuit order has an Aryan paragraph. So there is, there's actually a constitution which six, it has six impediments against reception into the order. One of the first ones is which Jewish descent up to the fourth generation is not that you can't get in. If you have any Jews in either side of your family for four generations, they won't let you in. And they put that in the, the statutes of 1593. They were still there in 1608 and they were there again in 1893. So in hundreds of years, they never changed their mind. And the general councils of the order have many times said Jewish descent must be considered as an impurity, a scandal, a dishonor, and infamy. So that's what the Jesuits think of the small hat people. So if you think they're an alliance, think again. And uh, Suarez, uh, he was a noted Jesuit theologian. He said Jewish descent is an impurity of such indelible character that it is sufficient to prevent admission into the order, meaning they're not going to let them in. Now, this is from a book by W.C. Brownlee, which I can highly recommend everyone read, called The Secret Instructions of the Jesuits. Um, he was a professor in the University of Edinburgh. Um, so here they're talking about, um, down at the bottom where it's highlighted, the non-observance of which by Cardinal Tollet, who is a Jesuit, our order obtained from the Holy See that no Moran. Now, a Moran is a person who's like a half Jew, half something else, or half Muslim, half something else. Descended from the perfidious race of Jews, which means treacherous, faithless, not worthy. And the Mohammedans, so that's your Arab, that's your Muslims, who will not oblige himself to perform such a vow should never for the future be admitted among us. So the Jesuits here are saying, if you're even art Jew or, or Muslim, get out of here. But then they talk about another letter that was discovered uh, from their confessor of the King of England, a Jesuit, how admirably our Jesuit people imitate the Puritan preachers, how we accept ourselves to all kinds of character. With the Jews, we are Jews to gain their object. With the infidel, we are skeptics. To the immoral, we are the most liberal and indulgent until we gain absolute ascendancy over them. So the Jesuits admit that they'll, they'll happily have their own members pretend to be Jewish, 
or even atheists for that matter. And sometimes they don't even know they're up against the Jesuit. So this is one of the scams they play. And now this is, this is one of the biggest reasons people state for the small hat people running the world, right? Uh, we've all heard of the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. And this, this came out in Russia in 1903. And suddenly the Catholic Church was putting out bowls and letters to all of their organizations, even to the Protestant churches and everywhere else, um, saying they had, un they had uncovered a Jewish satanic communist plot to form a one-world government, take away all rights and liberties, and destroy the papacy, the monarchs, and governments, deprive all people of rights and liberties, and the funny thing is only the reunification of the church, which is the whole goal of the Jesuits after the Protestant and Calvinist reformations, they've been wanting to reunify the churches, which Francis is doing now. So that'll get us into Francis. But who's the only one who can stop a satanic antichrist plot? Well, the church, the Pope, the voice of God, right? Um, he's the only one who can who can save this thing. Now, what's funny is we've all heard that the Protocols of Zion, it, it went to court several times. It was considered a forgery, not a fake. So forgery is like I copy Mike's paper or Bear's paper and the teacher catches me. It doesn't mean it's a fake. It means I got caught copying someone else's work. Now, here's what no one ever looks at. A forgery of what? Did the Jews write this or did the Jesuits write this? Well, when you go back 130, now it's important to, at the time of 1903, countries like France and Germany were expelling the Jesuits because they were openly writing works about the Jewish solution. And then all of a sudden this forgery comes out exposing this Jewish plot, right? And you're like, so this is David Icke's Hegelian dialectic problem reaction solution is you want to get rid of the, the small hat people. So you write a, this and say they wrote it. And now you got carte blanche to take them out. Well, you go back to the 1660s, 130 or 40 years earlier, and the Jesuits had written a book called The Secrets of the Elders of Borge Fontaine, <laughs> where these, these against Jansenism. Now, the Jansenists, they were, uh, they, uh, what's his name? Pascal. I think he was the mathematician. I think they use his um, math, don't they, in computer coding? Is that Pas Pasquale or? I'm not a yeah. Right. So he was he was a Jansenist. So these people, they were um, they believe that God was the sovereign, not the Pope. They don't believe the Pope is the sovereign, they believe God is. And they broke away from the Catholic Church because of the Jesuits. So suddenly this book comes out with a secret say they all got together in the woods of Borge Fontaine <laughs> and made a secret satanic antichrist plan to form a one world government and a plot to overthrow the throne and altar the papacy and establish religious tolerance all over the world and guess who's the only people who can save the world from this well the catholic church so that's where the original almost comes from but then this guy is the greatest <laughs> so this book came out in 1828, it's called the Jesuit Conspiracy, the Secret Plan of the Order. Now, this guy is great. The Abbot Leon, or Leone, I think you pronounce it. So I have this book. I can't recommend this enough. So he was 19 years old, and he was just recruited into the Jesuit order. And he's in one of the French abbeys, and he's in this back room 
where they keep the the forbidden books, like the secret tiny back library, right? Because he's a nosy 19-year-old. So he's back there reading the forbidden fruits, and suddenly he hears like 20 of them come into the big room, and he doesn't have the door totally shut. It's cracked a little, like, a you know, he's got like an inch crack in the door. So this guy's freaking out. He's like, shit, I'm not supposed to be back here. Do I... Do I walk out now and they know I'm in here? You know, he, he doesn't know what to do. He's like, do I wait here or do I walk out and get busted? So God, for some reason, he says, tells him to wait. And he's in there. He's he's taking notes. So all these Jesuits and the Jesuit director general sit down and they have this huge multi-hour meeting. And this guy starts transcribing the meeting back there while he's in the back room. Right now, this is where you really get your protocols of Zion. This is where it really is copied from. And, and this book is hundreds of pages. So I just took two little parts out. Here's what the Jesuits said when they're planning this. You well know that what we aim at is the empire of the world. But how are we to succeed unless we have everywhere adepts who understand our language? which must yet remain unknown to others, which is gematria out of Kabbalism, Khan. Let every individual, therefore, yield up an entire obedience and let the Pope, but a Pope of our own forming, be its perpetual abbot, right? So the, these Jesuits, they they need the Pope to hide behind. They, they need a Roman Catholic Church, but they don't care who's the Pope. And they've poisoned. I mean, when you look at the guy, was it a Benedict, the guy before Francis? He, he looked like he was being poisoned to death. Didn't he look sick? People say, oh, he looks like the devil. I think they were poisoning him. And I think they put poisoned, um, was it Pope, what was his name? Pope John in the 70s or 80s. What was it? Pope John Paul, was it? Pope John Paul, yeah. Right. So, so just, um, just a quick anecdote there. You know, I showed you the picture of the pope that's in my family lineage and they were big on all that they did the family tree so it's like right in our you know it's the only pope in history to retain the family name which was my family name lando but he also had the distinction of having the shortest papacy and within my family lines it was reputed that he was assassinated very quickly uh because of certain beliefs that were contrary to the narrative of the vatican what, what do you know what year he or years approximately what um yeah i just uh put it up in the chat uh it was um 913 yeah uh 91380 right so he is well before the jesuits because they don't really come into establishment um until the 1500s right but oh interesting okay they, but, but they would have been reason, doing it it was uh yeah, he was considered oft for some reason. And I right. know he wasn't the only one to be assassinated. Anyway, can continue on. That's just a little Well, yeah, I mean story. it's interesting because I won't I don't have, we won't get into this, but um there were several US presidents who were poisoned actually on the same dates too, uh usually usually on the exact oh, interesting. same day. And it's these Jesuits yeah. are masters of poison. But anyway, so where a lot of this comes from, let me uh did I miss one here? All right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, here, the second part I took out of this book, uh, this is them. These are the guys, the Jesuits who are having the meeting where, where this, this guy's taking shorthand. They say, we must first decide then 
what course to follow with the multitude who have been bewildered and fascinated by such fine sounding words as rights, liberty, right? What kind of crazy people like those? Human dignity and so forth. It is not by straightforward opposition and by deprecation, deprecating their idols that we shall prevail to prepare for men of all parties, whatever may be their banner, a gigantic surprise. That is our task. Well, I mean, look, it's not the Protocols of Zion. It's these guys. This is exactly what the Protocols of Zion said. But these are this is these guys. Now, what I want to get into real quick is a lot of this comes. So the Jesuits come out of Cosimo di Medici. We've all heard of the Medici family, right? The Medicis are what's called one of the black nobility families. Uh, we have the word medicine and media that comes out of this. Um, so what happened was the, the Irish, the Gnostic information we talked about in the beginning, the, the Catholic Church, and they, they destroyed a lot of this for, you know, for the first 500 years before the Vatican. I would suggest that the Library of Alexandria was already destroyed because 100 years before that was allegedly burned, they already stoned Hypatia to death out in the streets, you know, the Gnostic Hypatia. So they were already killing anyone who was talking about Gnostic knowledge 100 years before. So I think it's ridiculous to think that they allowed the Library of Alexandria to exist for another 100 years, but maybe. So anyway, all this information goes away. But um, Cosimo Medici, um, he sent people out to the Eastern Mediterranean. He sent all his agents out um to find the the ancient gnostic knowledge right so he he's like get me the old gnostic knowledge because he who has this knowledge has the power and the 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 catholic establishment had already destroyed it now down at the bottom it says if you were elected and initiated into the secret knowledge or gnosis man could master the kabbalah now take the CA and turn it into a KA and you've got Khan again, Ka, Kabbalah, right? It, it was called the Royal Science, not Jewish. It was the Royal Science because again, like I said, these Irish priests of An were the royalty in all these countries that they traveled to as the Phoenicians and the Royal Science of names, numbers, and symbols. That's Gematria. That's exactly that, to create his own divinity. So now I will get back to them, but here's another people say, well, the Kalurgi plan. Have you guys heard of the Kalurgi plan? Uh, have you ever I heard have... of that? No. Okay. I haven't. Please tell us. Okay. So this is another reason people think it's the tiny hats because this guy, Count Richard von Kodenhoff Kalurgi, um, he made a plan where he to flood all the Africans and all the people from North Africa into Europe. And then they mate with us and water our bloodlines down so that they could rule. Now, everyone's saying that this guy's tiny hat. I can just say he's Jewish, right? And that this is a, a tiny hat conspiracy and that this guy's behind it. So he's the pioneer of European integration. Now, this is why uh, Gaddafi, Right. Gaddafi always said, if you get rid of me, I'm the I'm the cork that's stopping all the northern African immigration into Europe. And of course, they got rid of him. So when I looked into this guy's family, the Kodenhoffs and the Kalurgis and the Kalurgi plan is very real. He did write this plan. So I said, well, let's see how the tiny the tiny hats are involved. 
So one side of his family are the Codenhoff family, which date back to the Duchy of Brabant. And he was a nobleman and a crusader. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Catholic crusader. Right. So I'm like, well, wait, hang on a second. We're, he's not Jewish. He was even with the Habsburgs. Then his other side of the family, the Kalurgis, were a Venetian black, black nobility family. And they were one of the most Greek Orthodox families on the island. So they're Greek Roman Catholic. So this guy, he's allegedly behind all this, but he, he's not a small hat. Now, the weird thing is, so this count, Coden, and again, he's a count, so he's a vassal. He's a bitch to the Roman Catholic Church. Now, he's the first ever guy to be the recipient of the Charlemagne Prize in 1950, right? So he's supposed, everyone's saying he's a tiny hat, but he's not. And then he's the first ever recipient of the Charlemagne Prize. And you say, well, what's that? And the Charlemagne Prize is a prize awarded for work done in the service of European unification. And it commemorates King Charlemagne, the ruler of Frankish Empire and founder of, drumroll please, the Catholic Church. became the Holy Roman, Holy Roman Empire, Empire. Yeah. right? Who was the first to, to unify. So that's weird. They gave this alleged Jew who's not a Jew a Holy Roman Empire Prize. Now, who's Charlemagne? Well, it turns out in the U.S., Back at the time this was written, all 44 presidents have carried European royal bloodline into office. 34 were descendants from Charlemagne, the eighth, uh, and then 19 of them direct descendants from King Edward III of England. Donald Trump, and in fact, every time you look at the who who won the presidency and the top running mate, you know the the, the opposing one, um, both of them had the same relatives, and whoever had the closest bloodline ties won. So Donald Trump was bragging about how he paid, he made one of the rooms on his Trump Towers all gold, a whole floor, and to commemorate his relative Charlemagne. Um, so I thought that kind of funny. And then, you know, when you, whenever you see the presidents after the final debate, they all go to Cardinal Timothy O'Brien's for this big dinner. Did you all see this after the Trump-Hillary election? Oh, yeah. I love the Bernie there. I, I had to put Bernie in, right? So again, if the tiny hat people are running the world barney sandlers as i call him bernie sanders <laughs> he was lecturing to stadiums of sixty thousand people like trump wasn't he and hillary was talking to like 400 people wouldn't they have put him in for the democratic you know what i mean why did they choose a papal witch wouldn't they have put their their tiny hat man in but no the, these two are both related to charlemagne and, and king edward iii and not him and this is what always happens. So, and they and they go to this guy who runs the United States for the Vatican and the Jesuits. Um, and of course, so now this gets into Ricci Bear. <laughs> okay. okay. So the American flag is the ensign of the e Jesuit East India Company from 1707 to 1801. It has the 13 stri stripes. And they just changed they just changed the British logo to to the star you know the blue and white stars, but the color schemes are the same. Now this guy, this is this is in the Rulers of Evil, I think. Bear the book you have. So General Ricci, I don't know if I actually have this. If we're going to talk about, yeah, I'll get into this. Anyway, this Ricci guy, he apparently dies, and no one's allowed to go to his funeral. It's like a Bin Laden thing, right? They just bury him at sea, and you just take their word for it. <laughs> <laughs> a year later this dude turns up when they're having the flag um committee in the in the united states 
And this old man they call the professor turns up. He's Italian, but they don't know what his deal is. And he gets on the flag committee and suddenly he they make this flag. They put a Jesuit flag in for the United States. And then when they're having their final thing, when they're about to decide, like they're getting ready to do the, the Constitution, K-A-N, Con the Sun, <clears throat> this guy gets up and makes this speech saying, we need religious freedom. If we're going to be a, a religiously free place and freedom, we want all religious freedom. And that's because they weren't going to allow the Jesuits in because the founding fathers said, if these Jesuits get a hold here, we're screwed. And suddenly this guy who turns up a year after Ricci allegedly dies, makes this speech and they give it religious freedom. Now, a hundred years before that, the Jesuit priest, Andrew White, he had already made the colony of Virgin Maryland in 1633. And he is the, the guy who started Jesuit Georgetown University, right? Well, they didn't have the White House yet. So he donated his property in Maryland, which is where DC now stands. He let the government, the, the initial government, start the government in his property and house. So the White House isn't called that because it's white. It's called that because the first government building before they built this was the Andrew White House, the Jesuit White House. Um, so then the other story is uh, 109 countries have kicked out the, the, the Jews, right? They've been kicked out of everywhere and, and thousands of times. Um, so I went in and had a look at that. Um, and in ancient times, they were expelled. But there's vague information uh, in Rome in 139 BCE they were kicked out among the other Chaldeans or Chaldeans, except the Chaldeans isn't a, it's, it's a whole country. It's not a race of people. It's a geographic location. So all the Chaldeans were kicked out, the Jews and everyone else who was there. Right. So they were all expelled, not them. Um, and then the Jews in uh, CE were kicked out of Italy if they would not what abandon their faith. So they were kicked out because of their faith, not because of what they were doing. Then you get the capture of Jerusalem by the Muslims. Jews were prohibited from entering that area, and the policy of expelling Jews was adopted by victorious Christianity from the 4th century, right? When the Vatican comes, they start kicking out Jews. In the implementation of its objectives to separate Jews from the rest of society, and degrade and oppress Jews so that they would convert to Christianity. Are we starting to see a pattern here, <laughs> right? The phenomenon of expulsion is overwhelmingly found in Christian lands, but in most localities like Germany, they were readmitted after a short while. Now here's the part we don't hear. Um, there were socioeconomic factors contributing to the hostility of Christian merchants, again, toward their Jewish rivals, um, and in Spain, the desire to isolate the new Christians from the Jewish influence was a factor in their expulsion. What they don't tell you is when these countries kicked all these Jews out, they'd give them safe passage, and then they would go out on the highways and murder and rob them and take all their goods. <laughs> right? That part just gets left out of the history books. So then I looked and said, well, who else is kicking them out? Well, the Arabs did expel the Jews from their countries and confiscated their assets and it's because the Jews could could use they could charge usury. You could learn, you could lend money on interest, and Christians were not allowed to do that, and neither were the Arabs. So they did get kicked out of those. And then in the 15th to 17th centuries, you can see the country in pink. These are who expelled the Jews. Well, it's Spain, where the Jesuits come from, 
in Rome, <laughs> Italy, in Sicily, in Sardinia, right? So they kicked them out. Again, these, these are the Roman Catholics who did it. So then we look at the other thing, the uh, the Jewish Bolshevik uh, takeover, right, of Russia, the, the 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 Jewish extermination. So you look at you look at the the Bolshevist program, and then they put in the people's the Council of the People's Commissar. These were the seventeen people who ran the Soviet government after the Bolshevist takeover. Only one of the seventeen was a Jew, Trotsky. 15 of the other ones were either Jesuit priests or Jesuit educated. So you're like, again, if the small hat people were behind this revolution, why didn't they put their people in? And then you look at, well, Lenin, he was the guy who ran the whole thing. So I looked at him. Um, he was baptized. He was a devout member of the Russian Orthodox Catholic Church, his father. His mother was a Lutheran. So there's there's no tiny hat there. And on the other side, um, he had a Swedish Lutheran mother, and he did have a Russian Jewish father who converted to Christianity. <laughs> so I don't know where that comes in. Then we got the Belfort, right? Arthur James Belfort. He's an earl. So again, he's a vassal of the Roman church. Now, he's the guy we all know, the Belfort Declaration, Rockef uh, Rothschild, sorry, gets an agreement where after after the war, this guy will give the Jews a place in Palestine, right, for the Jewish home, which is where we're seeing so much trouble. And that was called the Balfour Declaration. So this guy's really interesting because he opposed Irish home rule. He didn't want the Irish to have any home rule. So once again, they're after Ireland, um, saying there could be no halfway. And then he also is responsible for the Education Act of 1902 down here at the bottom. Um, which had a major long-term impact modernizing the school system in England and Wales and provided financial support for schools operated by, drum roll please, the Church of England and the Catholic Church. So again, this guy has nothing to do with the small hat people. The Rothschilds are Jesuits. I won't get too further into that. But when you start looking at all the Rothschilds, they're always wearing the Knights Templar crosses, the Knights of Malta, they're, they're like, they're supposed to be Jews, yet they're always wearing papal, what do you call that, regalia, you know, medals and insignia, the red shields. So as Jordan Maxwell was saying, they might have been the bankers for the Vatican. Uh, they're not Jews at all. They, they are what you could call fake Jews. Um, here's Santos Bonacci real quick. The Rothschilds come from the Orsini family. Roth means red in German, and the Orsini means red, red bear, little red bears. That's what Orsini means. The great pope is Pepe Orsini. He trumps the black, he trumps the white pope. The great pope is great. even higher than the black and the white pope. The Orsini is the, the Maxima family. They are the maximum family. They are on top. And somehow they've trumped the Colonna and the Farnese, which I know without any doubt through all my studies that they are the three most powerful Illuminati. What, what about Rothschild Rockefeller? Well, they are Orsini. They just changed their name. Rockefeller were Rothschild. Rothschilds were Orsini. Orsini were family which have their bloodlines in Babylon and Egypt. They tell you that. You read their biographies. This man controls the entire world. Many people know about the Pope, but what if he's not the only Pope? Rumor has it that there are three Popes in existence. The White Pope, which everyone knows. The White Pope and the Grey Pope. 
each trumping each other in terms of power. The white pope is the leader of the Vatican Church, and the black pope is the leader of the Society of Jesuits. However, when it comes to the gray pope, it is a whole different story. Well, you'll see, the gray pope, or more commonly known as Pepe Orsini, is the latest heir from a long bloodline of black nobility that are the movers and shakers behind world control their dynasty going way back to even Babylonian times. Today, they are the world's most powerful family heading the Illuminati, with even the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers reporting to them, but not many people know them. All right. How are we doing for time, guys? We got longer to go or what? Because um, we're, we're coming up probably about 15 minutes left. Right, um, yeah. I know this is deep, deep stuff, guys, um, and many uh, yeah. haven't heard this before. Um, are you familiar with the lore of the eagle versus the serpent? Have you heard yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. But go ahead and go ahead and expound on it because well, I see just, that making connections. <laughs> well, it's just interesting. There's like an ancient battle supposedly happening between um sort of a feud between those who are represented by the eagle and those represented by the serpent. So, you know, some say this goes to Enlil and Inkil and it's a Sumerian sort of uh lore, but I, I don't really buy that. Some say it goes back to Atlantis, but it is interesting how there's a lot of symbology in the flags of nations where, and of course, everybody's very familiar with the, with the image of the Eagle with a, you know, clasping the serpent. Right. And supposedly at face value, this is, um, you know, good over evil, but uh, many uh, it's very interesting when you look at all the nations that represent the Eagle, they're all the warmongers course you yeah. have the united states you've got um you had the nazis had the eagle um uk um and then of course when you get deeper into the idea of what the snake actually is representing the kundalini and the spiritual awakening right um yes the, not the dark evil serpent it's the it's the actual um uh, awakening and the energetics around um you know the caduceus and hermes and all this ancient hermeticism and stuff so it makes you wonder though i just i wonder in terms of tiny hats where they fall in into this uh and obviously it seems like they've been used as a proxy um within this war uh as sort of pawn pieces uh to not only be used for you know to for, to be able to loan money out and make interest which i know the black nobility did uh, use them for in the Middle Ages, but also as pawns for war and what we're seeing currently in with Israel. Um, yes. So, yeah, lots lots to unpack there, but I was just curious if you're familiar with that because I would like to dig a little deeper in my own research on what who who actually is this. I think it's pretty obvious who the eagle is represented by in terms yeah. of these sort of Zionist, Vatican-controlled uh, entities, but... Uh, who is the serpent? Like, is that uh, forces? It's the open? Irish. It's, the, it's Irish. the Irish. Okay. Yeah, they, they, that's how they're getting rid of. It's the Corpus Hermeticum. Is what? That's what Medici brought back from the East. What they're used, they found the Corpus Hermeticum, and then they they taught this to the Jesuits and to the Knights of Malta and to the Swiss Templars. Who I, we we might not have. Switzerland plays a huge role in this. You know. Davos World Economic Forum. Yeah, let's um, get it. Let's get into Switzerland because we're running. Yeah, because we're going to run out of time here. Touch yeah. on it at the Anarchopoco. Uh, right. Yeah. So you know, th this is a whole other subject that could go longer. We could do it again, but let, I'll get through this. Yeah. So anyway, so um, the reason the Jesuits they get started is because Me the Medici family had like four popes. 
their family started becoming the popes. Um, and Leo X, he was the guy who was so corrupt. He said you could pay, uh, you could pay for sins. And you could just pay like indulgences. You could pay money to the church and sin. <laughs> so you get the Protestants and the Lutherans, they break away like, get out of here. You can't do that. And and uh, they were friends with Machiavelli, which we all know Machiavellianism is running rampant right now. Um, and so this is kind of where they, and the Jesuits come up with this idea. This is actually Ricci, General Ricci, called Learning Against Learning, where they make all these schools and just make everything so confusing that you won't trust your Protestant and preachers anymore. You have to trust your university teachers. Sound familiar? This is like the this is where the brainwashing from all our current schooling goes in. But I don't we could do another show on the Je I won't really get into the Jesuits, but so this is one thing I did want people to see. The Jesuits got their playbook from General Ricci or Ricci, some call him. Now, Sun Tzu, the art of war, right? We're told that it was translated in 1772 when General Ricci is the general of the Jesuits by a French Jesuit astronomer for the emperor of China called Jean-Joseph Marie Amiot. So this guy's the, a Jesuit astronomer, and then he, he suddenly finds this art of war book. Now, it's about a character named Sun Tzu, the Sun Tzu, who works for an emperor, Helio, Helios, the Sun. <laughs> Sun Tzu works for Helio. This whole story is a cover story for how the Jesuits do business. And they, they, they still, to this day, military leaders and generals, they have to read this book. This is required reading. But this is a fake story that they put out so they could spread their plans around how they do everything. And I don't have time to get into it. But Ricci organized all of this. We could talk about them later. I've got the Jesuit oath here. They hate the, the non-Roman Catholic Freemasons. So remember, Hitler got rid of all the Freemasons. Because as Jordan Maxwell said, Jesuitism is Nazism. And they don't like the Masons because they don't care like what religion you are or what color or faith or whatever. And they also don't like the little hat people. And when you read their oath, I mean, they uh, it's just gross. We don't have time to get into it, but they just, it's gross what they're doing. Oh yeah, the Jesuit oath is nuts. I mean, we can run through it, some of it quickly here. I do further declare that I, oh, people can just screenshot this and look at it, but I will help assist and advise all or any of his holiness's agents in any place where I should be in Switzerland, Germany, Holland, America, any other territory I come to, do my utmost to extirpate the heretical Protestant or Masonic doctrines and destroy all their pretended powers, legal or otherwise. I do fur further promise and declare that I will make when opportunity war and wage relentless war secretly or openly openly against all heretics protestants and masons and he's talking about taking their kids and banging their heads against the wall to annihilate their race like i'll use the poison cup strangulation cord <laughs> i mean like how is this a catholic church yeah oath? very alive oil play <laughs> i mean it takes us back to the inquisition right i mean we know yeah. this stuff happens like look at how terrible the inquisition was yeah so this is the society of jesus you know if that's your jesus now what we're seeing right now so benjamin netanyahu his real name is benjamin milkowski or something like that he's a polish guy f who was a furniture salesman in new jersey or something like that <laughs> suddenly he's benjamin 
<laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. like the guy, the guy who rents my room, the he's Polish. They hate the Polish hate the Jews. They turned them over to the Nazis in World War II. The Polish just said, here, have them. So this is how the Jesuits roll. You know, I can't prove this, but if you, Milkowski, he, he just reeks of this. Um, now there's, there's talk whether this was fake or not. Do you guys know anything about It was about written Pikes? in the 1950s by a Jesuit. The World War, this thing here. This whole thing World is Wars. fake. This whole thing is totally fake. It was written by a Jesuit. Yeah, well, there's different ideas on when, uh, who, who, and what wrote this. I kind of went deep in this this year when Marty Leeds dropped the truth nugget on me when I shared this, and he's like, "This was written by a Jesuit." And then there's actually deeper studies that shows that this was actually written in the 1950s uh, as sort of fiction, pop fiction. Um, and there, there's this, you know. <laughs> there's this myth that this existed in the museum, but it's not there anymore and all that. Um, so when you read this, when you read this, if this was actually written in 1871, I mean, it's, it's would be the most incredible piece of like proof that this has all been planned. It's, it's, it's way too dialed in, but yeah, if you actually go deep into this, um, there's good evidence that this was actually written in the 1950s. I'm trying to find the gentleman's name, uh, who yeah, while you do that, uh, I, I prefer it to be written in the 1950s. Let's say that it is. I don't know. So what's what's incredible here is the part that didn't happen yet in the 1950s, where they talk about the Third World War, World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agenter of the Illuminati, which is the Catholic Church, between political Zionists and leaders of the Islamic world. This is Palestine and Israel right now. Um, to be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim Arabic world, and political Zionism, state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. And this is what's going to happen. See, this is my contention. We have all these protests going. They just openly are doing this genocide right now. In, in, I don't know if we can say this on YouTube. Uh, I have to word this carefully. Um, what's going on right now in Israel and Palestine is being televised almost around the world. It's not being hidden. And there are protests in every city worldwide, some of them hundreds of thousands and millions. I saw like 2.5 million in Yemen. Now, what's going to happen is if Trump gets put in, selected again, I don't think elections are real, and I'll show you that in a second. He could very easily, the only reason the rest of the Arabs haven't done anything about this is because the United States are backing Israel. But if Trump gets in and goes, I'm a man of the people and the people don't want this war, he backs out. He's going to leave Israel hanging in the wind. And what's going to happen? Just exactly what this thing says. This is exactly what this thing says. Now, I want to play this real quick. Uh, this is about four or five minutes, and then we can wrap up. Um, so when when I was showing you the secret language of Gematria, right, this is Zachary K. Hubbard. He I got him a gig speaking at Anarchapolco, but he he knows the Super Bowls and all the sports are fixed. So he was at the Super Bowl telling everyone who was going to win. But I want you to see how this plays. And again, people say, oh, well, this Gematria is Jewish. It's not. This is very old, noble, royal Irish mysticism, Kabbalism. But watch how this is going to play out. In the headlines today, Joe Biden saying, we shall respond. And this is regards into what happened this weekend with reportedly three U.S. troops being killed at Tower 22, 322. 
we'll see when he'll be ready for his response. Keep in mind, this is a Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday is named after Mars. Mars is the god of war. And interestingly enough, tomorrow, Tuesday, will be Joe Biden's 72nd day of his age. We know how relevant that number is to his life. His wife and daughter died in a car crash in 72. His son died when he was 72 years old. In Gematria, President Biden equals 72. So does Jesuit order. So does the phrase, we shall respond. They all equal 72. Again, if you're new here, Gematria, the Kabbalistic practice coding numbers into words. Learn this knowledge, see through the rituals and what these numbers mean and these dates. So I want to talk about what I decoded early this morning. And then I want to talk about what just happened on CNN, maybe 45 minutes, an hour ago with Peter Bergen. If you don't know who Peter Bergen is, I'll remind you. He warned of World War III after the deaths of these three troops, again, at Tower 22. I was pointing out how today is 114 days after the war began with Israel and Gaza on October 7th, again, the anniversary of the U.S. invading Afghanistan. And it matters that it's 114 days later because in Gematria, art of war equals 114 World War equals 114. President of the United States also equals 114. If you're new here, Gematria is based on the alphabetic order forwards and backwards. Remember about a Jesuit order to make a point. Jesuit order has the Gematria of 144, like Jesuit Donald Trump posing with the first Jesuit Pope on the 144th day of the year at the Vatican back on May 24th, 2017, like Jesuit Georgetown simulating that Joe Biden would win the election exactly 144 days before the election in 2020. Not to mention President Biden's got the 144 and 72. Again, just like Jesuit Order's got the 144 and 72. But notice Jesuit Order has the 54. Today has 54 date numerology. This is the system that's used every day. But, and again, this is about 114. World War, 114. Think about Pearl Harbor, another 114. What got the U.S. involved in World War II? Art of War, the text that we know about because of the Jesuit priest, Father Amiot, who translated it. Uh, you see how Art of War is also 102? The American Civil War was blamed on Jesuits. It began on the 102nd day of the year. The attack by Al-Qaeda on September 11th was simulated by the U.S. federal government is Amalgam Virgo, June 1st, 2001, 102 days before 9-11 happened. The U.S. government simulated the Al-Qaeda attack. The president says, we shall respond. And by the way, we shall respond, 72, right? Just like President Biden's got the 72, President Trump, they're both Jesuit-educated, 72. See how President Trump and President Biden are both 72 and 81? Biden supposedly beat Trump with 81 million votes. He's 81 years old right now. He's from Scranton, one of the nation's 27 Jesuit university towns on Interstate 81. But today, also 129, right? 129, it's the beginning of a news week. It's a Monday. It sets up the storylines for the week when all these stories are rolling out by the numbers. 129. Anyhow, 129 is 201 in base eight counting. 129 is 201. And as we know, the Jesuit order is 201. When Biden's son died while he was 72, he died 201 days before the Pope's birthday, the first Jesuit Pope and the first living suite 201 of the Vatican. When his wife and daughter died in 72, they died on Limestone Road, which is another 201. And again, the list goes on and on and on. A whole lot more to it. Remember, everything with Israel right now is 201. State of Israel is 201. Netanyahu left on the day, leaving 201 days left in the air, and then he came back on 1229, which is the 201st prime. 
So again, just the Jesuit fingerprints all over everything. Again, October 7th, the war begins. October 8th, Israel declares war. October 9th, Yale turns 322 years old. 322, important biblical number, the Holy Bible. 201, Genesis 322, the tree of life, the physical model for Kabbalah, knowing good and evil. Three pillars, 22 paths in Kabbalah. This whole thing is the Kabbalah and Kabbalah. That's what we're teaching every day, that the Kabbal uses the teachings of Kabbalah to control the world ritualistically on a calendar created by the Jesuit world. When we're on the Catholic Church's calendar, again, you know, who's got it more out for Islam than the Catholic Church, Crusades and all? I mean, just think about it. Skull and Bones member in office when 9-11 happened, he referred to the wars over there as Crusades. Skull and Bones gets their symbolism from how the Templars bury their dead, the Templar cross in the middle of the Jesuit logo. Remember, the Jesuits are the modern military order, the Catholic Church. The Templars are the old military order. The Jesuits claim to operate in 112 countries. The killing of the three soldiers at Tower 22 came 112 days after the war began. 112 days. Catholicism, 112. Mathematics, 112. Judaism, 112. Zionist, 112. Belfort Declaration on November 2nd. That was addressed to a Rothschild who died on the 201st day of his age. Been a lot of 201 rituals and deaths of Rothschilds for all you guys who think they run the world. Sorry, the people who run the world, their names that you don't hear, like the Orsinis. Some people know who the Orsinis are, but not many. And, and there's other names in, in that Catholic connection. These are the real people who run the world. Rothschild, that means Red Shield. Who had Red Shields? Oh, that's right, the Templars, who serve the Catholic Church. Anyone tells you anybody else other than the Catholic Church is running the world, those people are lying to you. Does that mean that the you-know-whos, you know what I mean when I say you-know-who, well, <laughs> actually who, you, you already know, we're talking about Israel. But anyone tells you that they're running the world and not the Catholic Church, that person's tripping. We're not on the Jewish calendar, okay? Yeah. So I've been following his work for six years or so, and every day, every news story, every sporting event, everything, it's these numbers by the book. He's he's doing a new book uh, all about 201s. It's a whole book, like hundreds of pages. I, Switzerland really plays into this, but I don't know if we have time or you might want to do a shorter show later another time um, of how all the Swiss Templars tie into this. How much time do we got left? Well, we're we're kind of running up on time now. I mean, uh, we're at two hours. I do see. Oh some, yeah, we don't. Yeah, I do see. I, some I mean, yeah, I, I, I could would. Go uh, <laughs> what do you guys think? I, I would uh, love to have a a part two for this, and it doesn't have yeah. to be a short part two because you know I've purposely refrain from a lot of questions I have because uh, yeah. I don't want to I know we're trying to cover uh, an impossible amount of material in a short time so um, let's definitely do this again but I one quick question you know when you see information that the Vatican actually created a lot of these uh, religions Islam Muslim and, and so forth is, is there truth to that there are many authors who contend. I think what I should do too at the end of this, I'll give a reading list of people who uh, I'll give a little bibliography for, for people who want to get deep in this. There are authors who contend that, um, for instance, the Talmud, right? That this mm -hmm. is written by the Roman Catholics. Now, um, Connor McDary, he, he suggests that all these historians like Pliny the Elder and Josephus Flavius, He's saying even these historians are fictional creations by the Roman Catholic Church so that they could then plant 
older history, fake history, right? So they create the fake historians and then plant older history that gives them the right to be ruling. So you can't trust anything. Like no matter, I don't care if you got a book from the 1800s, it could be based on BS. The way these guys play, yeah, I think that all of these, you know, Islamic texts and, and um, Talmud and all the evil, the evil texts, these guys most definitely probably wrote them and passed them around and disseminated them to make scapegoats, you know. To me, when people say, who are the fake false hats? Um, well, if you think that God promised you Israel, which is not, is a place in your mind, not a holy place, you're a fake one. It, the, the, the Ebers and the Yudes are the followers of the priest of An, Yesa Krios, and the Son and the Spirit. They were good people. Um, so anyone who's not following that is a fake uh, small hat, right? And people like Santos Bonacci and those teaching syncretism and all that. Uh, the, the real non-Roman Catholic Masonic lodges who are teaching this and people like Matt Presti, he's the real youth. <laughs> he's teaching the real stuff, right? Any Anyone who's teaching a good higher spiritual knowledge is is a real one if if you want to does that make sense yeah. it's like that it's like that movie the princess bride where uh Inero montoyo the other guys goes inconceivable and he says you keep saying this word i do not think it means what you think it means <laughs> and i'm saying people keep saying this word jew i do not think it means what you think it means you know you you mean youths what we have to differentiate between an, an Eber and a Yude and a Hebrew and a Jew. Um, yeah. we, we're stuck in a language and we're not talking about the same thing or people, which is why that's exactly what they're hiding. You you could be right, Bear. I wish I knew. I don't I don't know, but I do suspect they are behind um a lot of these other religions. Yeah, the teaching, or let's call it bastardization of knowledge. I yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. a part part two would be excellent. I I have so many questions too, and I'd love to get in sort of your idea of what the actual uh, timetable is, going back into history, and really how far this goes back. Uh, what is the true, you know, deeper into true history? Oh, you know, there's a, there's good old Alex Jones. Well, I was yeah. I mean, we can get into that. Um, I was gonna. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's save this gravy for the next one because. Yeah. Um, All right. I, I definitely want to get deeper into that. You can't and... leave us. You can't leave us hanging with an Alex Jones teaser in that. Oh man. Well, I I can't get into it until we get into the Swiss Templars and how. So what what I what I can do is a teaser, right? The the Roman Catholic Church is a front. So so far we've been bringing this back to the Roman Catholic church and the Jesuits and the Knights of Malta and all that. But again, the, the real people like the black nobility and the people behind the church, they just need the church as an, as a, an instrument of control. The church itself is being run by other people, which was going to be the last part yeah. of this and okay. Switzerland comes in. So how about we leave a, a teaser? It. Do you want me to tell you the Alex Jones real quick? Yes. All right. Yeah, you you got the documents. Can you move our logos? <laughs> um, can you move us to the other side of the screen? Or uh, we we're can covering see. the logo. No, we can. Uh, oh, um, you see, my picture is over. What I want to show you is his low, his old logo. Oh, got it. Um, I don't know how to do that in ghetto. Unless I can reverse the picture. Well, anyway, yeah. be, behind us, I don't know if you can do that. 
Alex Jones used to have another logo for InfoWars, and it's the Swiss Templar flag. <laughs> and he got called out on it many years ago. People remember when he's going, the Arabs run Hollywood, the Arabs own Hollywood, the frogs are gay and all that. Yeah. Well, it's ridiculous to think the Arabs run Hollywood. That's ridiculous. And he backpedaled later. But people started calling him out because the old InfoWars was flying the Swiss Templar flag, and now he's got a totally new logo. So what I was going to point out to people is even in our side, you know, the truth community, watch out for the Pied Pipers because they, as the Bible says, you shall know them by their works. You know, they can't stop bragging. They got to put their damn symbols everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I'm not saying Alex is in or out. I'm just saying that he used to fly the Templar flag and the, and the Arabs definitely don't run Hollywood. I can tell you that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Do you guys have any questions or want to take some quick ones from the the chat? I mean, was that okay? Um, I know it's mind blowing. It's a lot of crap to cram in. Yeah, no, I I think no. um, <laughs> we could get into an hour of questions. Bear, do you have any just like off the top? Of no, your head? I was just gonna say uh, that that was amazing, and uh, we definitely need a part two here. So let's uh, let's make that happen asap, so we don't have to wait too long for all the. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> I think I think once again the, the great takeaway from this is what is being occulted. Well, it is the great tradition, the perennial philosophy it goes back to hermetics and Gnosticism and understanding what our true power is and how we connect to source and how we transmute that inside us and create beauty. And that is what they try to always hide. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and that that is this old knowledge coming back. I mean, we are in the apocalypse which is the great unveiling you know it's not the end of the world it's that it's it's no it's no accident in my belief that all this information is coming to light all of a sudden you know this is stuff i never heard i'm 52 years old i never heard half this crap and i've been researching this stuff for since 2005 or six and syncretisms are happening you know i met people like you guys and matt prestians like everyone i talk to what I hope to show people today, I hope that pennies were dropping because there's a lot of people who are like, how are the, you know, who's involved here? And the Switzerland will be the last piece of the puzzle in the Knights Templar because they were the old army of the Roman Catholic Church. And now it's the Knights of Malta and the Jesuits are the new, but they're still there, the Swiss Templars. They just changed into the Hospitallers and the, the Knights of Malta. So um, what I wanted people, I wanted this to really get people to see like, what is going on here? Because everyone's like, it's the Masons, it's the small hats, it's the, yeah. and I'm trying to show people it's, it's, it's all of them. <laughs> they all have yeah, their yeah, own yeah. little part to play. And the ones you think it is, are, it's not them. <laughs> I really want to go next time deeper into the Irish too. Uh, and, yeah. and the language. Cause I know you were sharing with me, you had access to we're not talking about Celtic or Gaelic. We're talking about ancient, ancient Irish, which is really sort of, to me, maybe the proto-Indo-European language, right? Uh, and so I'd love to go deeper into all of that as well. We could get into that too. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, not, yeah, Naga and Hungarian and Finnish. Finland ties Finnish. into this as well, Phoenician. And yeah, this, this, is, this ties into that Finnish and Hungarian and Naga, that ancient language. They say all the... You know, a lot of indigenous tribes have a what's up, yeah. Naga. What's up, Naga? <laughs> I uh, yeah. As I was telling you before we went live today, I had a good connection with uh, Michael Tassarian, who wrote uh, 
the Irish origins of civilization. So next time around, I'd like to see if there's any correlation with some of the things you're talking about in his work. And uh, I'd like to get a little round table going with a few people actually, but maybe after your part two presentation, we could uh, get together and have that kind of round table where, um, you know, maybe some of the things that you and yeah. I talked about at the end of COVID and just kind of brought it, bring it back because I'm sort of old school. Uh, I think it's important to understand who's doing what and what the history is just so we understand where, you know, we're headed. And so it makes sense. But then sooner or later, we have to bring it down to some level of practicality, which is uh, what does this information have to do with our personal evolution of the soul upon this plane? Uh, what does it have to do with our ability to grow healthy food and healthy bodies and to govern ourselves? So, um, you know, but again, we have to know the origins of how we got in this superstitious mess. And then we can really get the business, roll up our sleeves and create the world that we want to see here. But thank you so, so yeah. much for being with us. And I look forward to seeing you again next time very soon. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I've been dying. I've been looking forward to this since, wow. <laughs> so I'm honored. Uh, it's been great. And I'd love to do it again, even with Tassarian. I haven't read him as much as I need to. So I'd love to hear what he has to say about what I have to say. And he'd probably be a better even expert on the Irish angle on it. But yeah, uh, this has been amazing. I hope I hope your people have taken something. What I'd like to say is how you can apply this right now is there are groups who have you hating on groups of people. And I'm not saying there aren't small hat people doing horrible things. Israel is exhibit A, but there are people of all races and colors and religions doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It's not just them. Um, so the, the new world order that they want is the old world order where there was no separation of church and state. The church told the state what to do. And if they didn't, they, that's the end of that. That is the plan. So if you think, if you're wasting all your energy hating on small hat people, you're missing the mark because you can get, you can get rid of all the small hat people. Uh, you're still going to have the same problem. They aren't in charge of the new world order. Beautiful, so, man. The, Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, thanks so much, Steve. Dropping serious knowledge bombs today really appreciate you man so fun hanging out in mexico man we laughed our asses off we had a lot of fun. <laughs> <I'm> still laughing <laughs> andy just so when you were dj and you were killing it dj and andy just bumped me he's like look at mike man he's california as fuck <laughs> <laughs> well bear and i definitely got those california roots yeah, awesome, Dr. man. It was great. You're, you're never going to take that out of us. Um, uh, well, hey, dude, such a pleasure. Have fun jamming out this week. Um, many people don't know, but you're a prof we mentioned it on the bio, but you actually are a professional touring uh, musician. You play in a lot of pubs and, ironically, Irish pubs. Yeah, I do the big uh, Irish pub circuit <laughs> in Scandinavia. They're like, you know, two, three, four hundred people. Yeah, dancing on tables. And it's all cover music and stuff. Oh, and I. And I oh, teach how uh, hilarious that's it. I just bring that up because that's a great sort of way to an end cap here that we we've gone from like this amazing uh, evolved, you know, evolved um, civilization of the Irish, ancient Irish now to now when people think of Irish, they think of like um, St. Patty's Day and being getting wasted with, um, you know, shots and in, in, in dancing on tables, you know, and it's like, we got to bring it back to the real. Irish. There's another one say killing the dragon, you know, it's the same with the snake and the eagle. That's St. Patrick kills the 
kills the yeah. dragon. Yeah, same yeah. stuff. Yeah, once you start learning this stuff, it's so much just so and many the four pennies. leaf clover. I was thinking of the four way earlier and stuff. I mean, I mean, look at it. Wow. There, there's so much. Well, hey, man, this is so fun. Thanks. And uh, guys, if you enjoyed this, please give us a thumbs up, share with your friends and family. Go follow Steve. If you have you haven't watched some of Steve's amazing films, he puts a lot of work into them. Yeah, and they're really fantastic. Uh, go over to Space Busters, subscribe to them on YouTube, and BitChute. Oh, we, the, good, the good films are on BitChute, Odyssey, and Vigilante TV. I can't put the good stuff on YouTube because we're on two strikes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah for sure. I put ads for the other ones, but just go over to BitChute or Odyssey. That's where most everything is, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you do great work. So go support Steve. Thank Thanks you so much, guys. And ironically enough, next week um, we'll have a guest on who's mind blowing as well, and who will count. He will probably hit counter all of this because he is old school Irish Catholic. <laughs> um, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> uh, James Tunney, the great James Tunney, will be with us next week, guys. He blew minds the first go around. So see you next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, his whole thing is about transatlanticism and the Protestants. So. Um, yeah, it's funny, like in the English empire and all that, and it's funny, it all connects, it all connects in the end. And, uh, what's what we're here. We're, we're, we're creating the threads, right? We're combining the threads and we're getting the tapestry of truth. And, um, you know, in the end, it's, it's really all about finding yourself. So, uh, remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a hike, go show mother nature, some love. She'll show it right back. And, uh, we'll see you next Thursday, guys. Love you. Have a great weekend. Till then, peace.